0: again ladies and gentlemen, Ghost Nobody here ready to bring you chapter 4 of Enemy of My Enemy. I do hope you've enjoyed this second little jaunt through the AVP universe that I created all those years ago. And I do hope you're starting to enjoy the uh, adventures of Aiden and Spirit Team 6 and all their f- odd special friends of all different races and shapes and sizes. And I do hope that you'll like, subscribe and, you know, leave me feedback wherever you can. Either via fanfiction.net Archive of Our Own dot org, or even at my own website ghostnobody.com dot com. Every comment is well appreciated and very, very. It just, you know, makes me happy to hear from you guys. I like interacting with you guys, and I enjoy the thought. You give me your thoughts on what I've been doing so far, where where you want to see things go, things you'd like to see. Though more for the things that I'm currently writing, like Radiance and uh, Hybrid Wars, more than these two. Because at the end of the day, these ones are finished. But it always cheers me up to know what you're thinking of my little job reading them out. So, without any further ado, let's get on with the show, shall we? Oh, and the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own AVP or anything to do with it. I just own all the Huntresses and Spirit Team 6. That'll do me. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 4. Into the Breach Oh, do me a favour and quit whining about it. It's not like you haven't done this a hundred times already," Mesa said as the team walked from the armory towards the launch bay. "Yeah, but come on, Moodstone, it makes me sick to my stomach. The last thing I need is going into a shitstorm, feeling like I'm going to hurl the entire time," Spike said in a whining voice. "You could always get inferno to punch you in the stomach, laddie," Tank said as he walked in, walked over and put his big arm around Mesa, who smiled up at him under her helmet. What good would that do? Spike asked in a rather high-pitched voice. Because then you'd have already been sick, so we wouldn't have to worry about chucking anything up all over your console now, would you? Reaper said from his left. Dude, you're supposed to be on my side, Spike snorted looking at his friend. Aiden just grinned under his mask. Suddenly Tashara appeared to their right. What are you all discussing? She asked. Reaper, Moodstone, and Tank all looked at each other before grinning and turning their group smile onto her. Whether you should punch Spike in the stomach, they all said in perfect unison. Much to Spike's disappointment, rather than dismiss the idea of foolishness, she seemed to actually be considering it. She, he knew, thought all mandible clicks when he heard them. Oh, so wait. You won't risk arm wrestling Reaper before a mission because, I, and I quote, You do not wish to risk injuring a valuable team member before a mission, but punching me in the stomach is perfectly fine, he said, trying to do a mock version of Tashara's gruff voice while doing her part. She shot him an angry glance, but then her expression softened. Exactly. I do not wish to injure a valuable team mate, she said, putting real emphasis on the valuable part. This was instantly smit met by Sniggers from Mesa, Eden and even Gregor. Oh, great. Now I know this mission's fucked, Spike said. Mesa cocked her head curiously to one side and looked at him while still giggling. And what makes you say that, Spike? She said in between giggles. Well, I'm pretty sure that's one one of the signs of the coming of the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, isn't it? He asked. What are you gibbering about, laddie? Tank asked. You know, the Four Horsemen. The ones who single signal the coming apocalypse. Conquest, war, famine and death. Well I'm pretty sure that Inferno finally cracking a fucking joke is the final sign. The coming of a horseman of death is upon us. Spike said launching into a full on dramatic recital. Instantly Inferno aimed a swat at his head which missed. And Spike set off down the hallway faster with her in hot pursuit. And the sounds of the other three giggling even harder behind them. Doug and Whisper, were already in the launch bay. Not even the least bit surprised to see Spike come flying through the door at top speed with Inferno in hot pursuit. It had become kind of a standing joke among the team that the pair of them were almost responsible for the other being physically fit with all the running they both did. At least when she caught him, she always managed to keep her instincts to harm him in check. She usually just settled for scaring the shit out of him though there was the time that Spike had placed a plastic spider on her while she was asleep. And funny as it was to see a big, rough, tough, hyper-powerful Yejuda Huntress scream like a little girl when she woke up to what she thought was a spider on her face, it had taken Reaper's all heavily augmented strength to hold her pinned down to the deck plate to stop her from literally murdering him and taking his skull as a trophy. Though pretty much all of the team had agreed that she secretly liked being pinned down under Reaper in that in his underwear part. The team now assembled in the Ghost Shadows launch bay and began running through their launch checks. They were going to be dropping into the combat zones and things that they called devil's door knockers. These were effectively heavily modified drop pods. In fact they were so fast and so agile that they were more like missiles than pods. And that was in fact the intention. When the spirit teams were first formed they had used regular drop pods and this resulted in a rather high mortality rate among the operators as the pods were either shot out of the sky by advanced air defences or if they weren't destroyed by the hits they obliterated on impact with the ground due to the structural damage it suffered by either weapons fire or warping of the metals on entry. So the best engineers in the spirits had literally gotten together and redesigned the whole concept. The results were the pods that now sat in the launch tubes, the XM-507s, or, as they were affectionately known, Devil's Door Knockers. They were 15 feet tall and shaped like a rather large black dart. No weapons, but extremely thick titanium armour, which could take more than a few hits from both the Juta Plasma cannons and even the best anti-air missiles that money could buy. The boosters on top of the pod accelerated them to nearly impossible speeds to hit while the side thrusters kept them dancing around all over the place avoiding anything heading their way. It all made for one hell of a ride. All of the team stowed all their weapons in the pod storage bins. The only ones that kept on them were their sidearms. This was because the cabins were so small there was literally no room for them inside the pod. After that... They went through their anti-shaving t- foam bomb checks as they'd all fall follow this particular prank of Spikes more than once. He got rather ingenious at hiding the damn things. Apparently he found it hilarious when they emerged from the pod ready to go into combat, covered from head to foot in thick layer of shaving cream. Finally, with their pre-flight and anti-shaving bom- foam bomb check complete, the team loaded themselves into the incredibly cramped pods but while incredibly cramped each of the team knew that these things were designed to be exactly like that the armour around the passenger cab was exceptionally dense to protect the passenger and the tightness was to hold you in place so you weren't thrown all over the shop during the manoeuvres or by the impact Aidan strapped himself into the pod and closed the hatch in front of him after he was done next up to turn the pod systems and communications on and sync them up to the ghost shadow. This involved pressing a few buttons around the cab until the whole panel lit up like a Christmas tree. After this was done, he activated the comms. All right, spirits, game faces on. It's go time. Sound off, he said in his best sergeant's voice. One by one, the voices came to the speakers in both his helmet and the pod. Spike ready. Moodstone ready. Tank ready laddie, Inferno ready to hunt, Picasso ready, Whisper ready, Ice ready, and Reaper ready. Queen Bee, Spirit Team 6 is ready to go, Aiden said. Alright spirits, comms are good and your vitals are coming through loud and clear. Sync the pods drop system to automatic and set the coordinates for the drops to each of your nav comps. Not going to lie to you, this is going to be one hell of a drop with all the flak coming your way. We're going to aim for the outskirts of the city where the flak's going to be its lightest. So you're going to have to hoof it from there or secure vehicles and move to the centre. So Godspeed and good luck out there spirits. Let's show them why we're the best at this. Captain Carter's voice said through the intercom. Roger that, they all said in near perfect unison. As she finished speaking... Aiden's holographic NaviCom lit up, showing the planet. It showed a route to the outskirts of the megacity of New London. Suddenly, a decreasing number came up on the bottom of it. it, started at ten and was rapidly counting down. As it hit one, he spoke through the intercom. Here we fucking go! he yelled, and with a massive rush, his pod accelerated through the drop tube about the bottom of the ghost shadow. After a couple of rolls, the pod orientated itself and accelerated to its maximum velocity in the direction of the planet. It always amazed Aidan the sheer quietness of space. Apart from his breathing in his helmet and the soft beeps of his controls, there was just nothingness, sheer nothingness all around him. couldn't even hear the engines of his own pod, let alone the others. Above him he could see the other pods through the glass. They were loosely clustered around for the moment, but he knew as soon as the flak started they would break off and head into different drop zones to maximise the problems the anti-air systems would have tracking them all. ''All right, spirits, brace for atmospheric breach,'' Aidan said into his intercom, as he was watching his distance counter counting down in his head. ''Ah, fuck, I hate this part,'' Spike's voice said through the intercom. As he did, the whole pod began to shake and bounce. A corona of golden flame lit it up from the outside of the pod's surface from the super-reinforced carbon glass as his pod breached the atmosphere. Suddenly the alarm started going off and the words Incoming Anti-Air Detected, beginning invasive manoeuvres, appeared in his head. Everyone hang on, shit and f- heading towards the fan, he said on his intercom. Ah oh shit, that means we're the fan, right? Spike's voice replied, sounding panicked. Hang on to your ballsack, laddie. This is where the fun begins, Tank's voice said through the intercom. Not helping, Spike yelled as the pods broke formation and began their evasive manoeuvres. The G-forces from the turns that these pods were capable of were pretty much extreme. To Aiden it felt like his blood was being forced from his head to his feet and then back again and then back again. Then the pod began to start doing barrel rolls trying to shake off three missiles that were chasing him. All the while he kept seeing ground sky, ground sky, ground sky, ground sky through his window. On his next drop he swore he was going to get a set of fucking curtains for the damn thing. But the worst part of this ride was the fact that it was completely computer controlled. You had no uh, input other than to hang the fuck onto your harness and hope the computer was smarter than the computer of the missiles that were chasing you. Woo yeah! Come on you little bastard! you can't fucking touch this! Tank yelled. Aiton caught a glimpse of his pod directly below him as it went through a series of tight turns, heading directly for a massive circular-shaped white tower building. Plasma bolts sizzled through the air all around him as his pod effortlessly dodged them all. It smashed straight through the top floor of the tower and disappeared from sight. And then he came back over the intercom again. Tank on the ground and deploying, he said, and suddenly another voice came through the intercom. Whisper on the ground and deploying, she said, and then another. Picasso on the ground and deploying, his voice said, and then the final one came in. Inferno on the ground and ready to hunt, she said. That meant half the team was on the ground and they were gearing up and getting ready to go. But that meant now there were only four targets in the air for the anti-air to go after. As his pod went through another tight near 90 degree turn, He saw another pod in the distance spinning through multiple bow rolls, trying to avoid incoming plasma fire before it smashed straight to the side of a large, square-shaped building. Ice on the ground and deploying, a voice said through the intercom. Three left in the air now. As he looked down, he saw a pod bouncing around it, down the main road directly below him, before slamming into a wall, near enough collapsing it on top of the pod. He wasn't worried, though. The pods were equipped with tools for this eventuality, including things like hydraulic lift arms to lift the debris off the pod's cabin. "'Moodscone, on the ground and deploying,' a voice said through the intercom. Suddenly plasma sizzled past Aiden's window, only inches away from the glass. Now that there were less targets to aim for, the anti-air was becoming far more intense. Suddenly his, pol- his pod jolted massively to the left, and there was a massive bang from somewhere behind him. Alarms immediately started going off in the cabin, and on his hollow display a picture of the pod appeared, with three of the large pod's engines now highlighted in red. He was currently only running on one thruster. There was no way he was going to be able to avoid any more incoming fire with only one engine and his directional thrusters, as they'd never be able to pull him out of the turns on their own. Fuck! Fuck! I'm hit. I repeat, Reaper is hit. Lost three engines, I'm going down. Aiden yelled into his intercom and his pod initiated emergency descent, which basically meant it adjusted the f- into a 45 degree drop over his intercom. He just heard Spike's voice coming in. Spike on the ground. Sick as a fucking dog, but I've got eyes on Reaper's pod. He's about five clicks due north of me and he's going in hard, Spike's voice said. And then just then... There was a tremendous crash, and Eden was thrown around all inside his pod. Due to all four of his engines pretty much being out now, there was nothing to try and stop the pod's sliding velocity, so the building he smashed into he shot straight through and out the other side. He felt the pod's angle switch, and he knew he was now falling vertically straight down. Before she could even think to try and relay any information to the team, the pod slammed hard into the ground with such force they punched through the road where it hit. Aiden was jostled about so badly inside the pod that even through his helmet his head was slammed hard into the rear of the cab and he was knocked clean out. From where she was on the top floor of some apartment block super high-rise, she had a pretty good view out over the city. She'd watched as each of her teammates' pods landed before they called in. Well, landed was a loose term, more like slammed into a building or the ground or well, at least they were on the ground safely. With only two left in the air, she found herself making a silent prayer to Pyre as she watched the two pods dancing and twisting to avoid anti air flak. Then she saw Spike's pod ground itself in her building, about eight clicks from her position, and that only left Aiden in the air, and her felt her heart begin to pound harder. She didn't know what it was about this particular old man, but there was something powerful that softened her defences around him. Despite being one of the most powerful and skilled operators that she had ever known of any species, there was a real gentleness to him. He was such a kind and caring male that that contrast in his personality often shocked her. In battle he was fearless and often been described by both enemies and friends alike as a force of nature, and that's if you saw him coming. Given that he was an assassination specialist, that was most often not the case as most of his targets never got the privilege of ever looking him in the eye before they even knew he was there. But to her, he had always been kind and even gentle. He always made a point of trying to include her in conversations and always tried to get her to give her opinion on any matter that they were discussing. Tashara remembered when she had first joined the Spirit Team Six. She had not trusted anyone and she had been very standoffish with the entire team but it was Aidan that had walked right up to her, bold as brass, and introduced himself. Something about his bright, intelligent eyes had told her right from that moment that she could trust this woman with her life, and he had never let her down. And the more missions that they did together, and the more times they fought side by side, only served to strengthen that already unbreakable bond. She had found herself marvelling often at his amazing inner strength, a point that often hit home when she remembered how he'd gotten all of his cybernetics. She had seen this male go through more pain than any other four people she knew, combined, and somehow still come out the other side smiling that goofy smile of his. The one always seemed to make her heart melt in her chest when she saw it. Then, as she watched, she saw a missile strike the engines of Aden's pod with a huge ball of flames. Before she saw his pod screaming through the sky, trailing a large black trail behind it. Her heart was now felt like it was trying to escape from her chest as she tracked it across the sky until she lost sight of it behind the buildings. Suddenly, she heard Spike's radio call relaying Aiden's last known position to the team. Immediately, she powered up her dual plasma casters and turned to find the exit. Fuck the mission for the moment. She was going to get her friend back. The first thing Eden heard as he started to come to was the ringing of alarms inside his pod. The loud beeping noises pierced his head like a thousand knives, all stabbing him in the brain. As his eyes slowly opened, they tried to focus inside his pod, but apart from a few glowing red lights here and there, it was completely dark. Instantly, his night vision kicked in, and the world around him went sharp black and white. Ah oh, fuck! Well, that could have gone smoother he said groaning as he moved his head and felt like it was a load of spiky marbles rolling around inside his skull. He reached for the pod's comms button to his right and pressed it. Reaper on the ground, alive and deploying, he said, but instead of replies, he got an earful of screeching static. Ah, great, the comms are fucked. Just what I need, he said, jabbing the button again to get the same result. Reaching down to his left, he located a large twist handle and he cranked it around to the left. He heard the motor that lifts the canopy up start to grind as it tried to lift the canopy away from him. Suddenly another red light lit up on his hollow display of the pod, flashing the canopy release motor. ''Fucking figures,'' Aidan said as he listened to the motor grinding away as it tried in vain to lift it. Twisting the handle through another 90 degrees. He yanked it upwards and deployed the emergency explosive bolts, which he knew blew the canopy away and up and away from the pod, with a dull thud. He then released the clasp of his harness to held him in place and slowly sat up. First thing he noticed was the sound of running water all around him. Turning to look around, he realised that his pod had fallen into a massive tunnel of some kind. Took him a couple of seconds to realise he'd fallen through the road and into the sewer system below. He laughed to himself as he sh- quietly as he shook his head. Well, if this there wasn't a more perfect metaphor for how my day is going, then this is it. Got shot down, and now I have to wade knee-deep through shit. Just perfect, he said, releasing the remaining harness clasps and climbing out of the pod onto the outer hull. It was that point that Aidens noticed the spiderweb of cracks running through his helmet's visor? Slowly, he removed it from his head, and turned it over in his armored hands. There was a huge dent in the right side of the visor; it was all cracked all over it. Well, that explains the fucking headache, then. He said, looking at his damaged helmet. But he was rather glad that the helmet sacrificed; otherwise, that'd have been his skull. Throwing the helmet down to the side, it bounced off the hull of the pod and splashed into the water that surrounded it. Now was his first chance to get the first look at the extensive damage that his pod had suffered from the crash. To say that it was fucked was an understatement of the century. Not a single panel had escaped unscathed from the impact forces he'd suffered. The hull was twisted and buckled, and it remained minded Aiden of what happens when you twist the nose of a paper aeroplane into a dart... It was a testament to the engineers that had designed it they would pretty much survived unscathed from all of this. A sudden thought hit Aiden, and he scrambled down off the pod and into the waist-high, foul-smelling water. In fact, he really didn't want to think about what was floating around him right now. Making his way round to the back of the pod, he looked at the storage bay cover. Fortunately, the panel for the pod storage bay was above the waterline, but unfortunately... It was pretty heavily damaged and he instantly knew that the release mechanisms were fried as the panel was heavily buckled in. Just he prayed that the equipment inside had survived the crash. Grabbing the jagged edge of the panel with a cybernetic arm he strained a little against it but pretty soon the panel tore free in his hand. Underneath the outer panel the reinforced cage that had protected his equipment seemed to be pretty good shape and thankfully so did his gear. Lifting out the magnetic bandoliers, he began strapping things to the outside of his armour. The last thing to come out was his PIMP rifle, or Plasma-Infused Modular Projector Rifle. PIMP for short. And An and grin that endlessly tickled his team, but in reality the PIMP was no laughing matter. The highly advanced energy projectile weapon was based on Ijuta Plasma Caster Technology. It had a modular frame that was able to adjust itself to the user's requirements. It had three primary settings. Long barrel, high calibre, sniper rifle mode. Medium barrel, medium calibre, assault rifle mode. And finally, short barrel, small calibre, submachine gun mode. The PIMP used energy cells to power it. They were shaped like normal gun magazines for speed of change. And they were simply slotted into a magazine chamber in the bottom of the gun. Depending on what mode you had... The weapon it charged depends on how many charges were left in the cell. It had 50 in sniper rifle mode, 100 in assault rifle mode and 200 in submachine gun mode because of the calibre I had to generate the power it required to put into each projectile and how much gas it used. Energy Aiden checked over the energy weapon and breathed easy when he discovered that it survived completely unscathed. Powering it up he quickly flicked it into submachine gun mode. Because of the tight confines of the sewer system he was in, now his gear he had all had to do was find a way out of this bloody shit infested sewer and hook up back up with his team. As he looked up at the ceiling where his pod had smashed through, the top of the pipe was a shaft of daylight beaming down from a hole right onto his pod. It was a good 30 feet up and with smooth sides of the pipe there was no way he was climbing up it. He was going to have to move further into the system and look for a surface access to get back up. Just as he was getting ready to go, a noise drifted up from deeper down the pipe. A rather familiar noise that sent shivers down Aiden's spine. It was a screech. Aiden snapped his weapon up into the shoulder and scanned the tunnel ahead of him. He couldn't see any movement, but he knew that noise well, and that could only mean one thing. Zeno's. If there were Zenos here, they may well have just found the reason why New Britannia had gone dark. These creatures were renowned for taking out entire human colonies, as well as those of other species as well. Most humans hated them with an absolute burning passion, but not Aiden. He had to admit he admired them. They were utterly ruthless and efficient to a T. Most people consider them to be bugs working on some form of highly evolved instinct. But from his various run-ins with these creatures, he knew better. They were highly intelligent and incredibly adaptive. Each and every member of their hives worked like a special forces operator should. Perfect as the part of a team or an individual. They were like the most perfectly born natural soldiers that the universe could throw at you. And if you didn't respect them, you were a fucking fool. Aidan had only taken a single step forward for away from his pod when he another screech echoed down the tunnel towards him, this time from much closer than before. It was moving, and towards him at that. Aiden's eyes frantically scanned the dark tunnel. Thanks to his night vision, he could see perfectly in the gloom, like it was a black and white film. Silently cursed the loss of his helmet one of the ways the Zenos hunted was through pheromone, pheromones and they could pick up the minute traces in the air. If his helmet had still been in one piece his armour would have been completely sealed and that would have made him a lot harder for the creature to detect. But with its loss and now with his adrenaline pumping he must have been like a fucking shining beacon for it to home in on. Every third sweep of his rifle was over the ceiling above his head as he knew how much these things loved the surprise attacks from above. Suddenly Eden heard splashes down the tunnel ahead of him. They were getting closer, rather quickly, and it was heading right for him. Bracing himself, Eden traced his weapon left and right over the waterline looking for a target. And then he saw it. And it was like nothing he had ever been seen before. The Zeno appeared around the corner but it looked unsteady on its feet. It was swaying from left to right as it moved like it was drunk or something. That's when it saw Aiden. As he saw his weapon training on it, it charged right at him with an ear-splitting screech. Soon as he drew a bead, Aiden fired. The small plasma projectiles hissed down the tunnel at insane speeds, creating small bubbles of light as they flew, before they slammed straight into the Xenos' outer hide, sending acidic blood spraying all around it unlike like any xeno he'd encountered before, this one didn't even attempt to dodge the incoming fire. It simply charged straight at him with reckless abandon, screeching at the top of its lungs as it did. Aiden sent another volley its way, and every round found its mark, sending yet more acidic blood spraying all around it. But it didn't even seem to slow down a little bit, it just charged straight at him. The thing had six holes drilled straight through its chest and part of its guts hanging out. It didn't even appear to feel it. It just kept coming. Aiden took a step backwards from the charging creature and adjusted its aim. This time, rather than the centre mass, he aimed right for the creature's face and he pulled the pimp's trigger again. Because it was an energy weapon, it had no recoil when it fired. So it was able to send three round bursts down the exact same line. Each and every one drilled a sizzling hole straight through its large dome-shaped forehead, caused the back of its skull to explode, showering the water around it with green acidic blood that fizzed upon contact. The creature slammed face-first into the water with the force of its charge, and it slid a few feet forward, sending waves ahead of it as it did. Holy shit! Aiden breathed as he planted, panted from the adrenaline coursing through his veins. Slowly he approached the fizzing body of the Xeno, being cautious not to step on any patches of its blood. As he looked at the body of the fallen Xeno, straight away he could tell there was something wrong with it. All over it, the body, there appeared to be these weird growths sticking up from its hide. Usually these creatures are sleek and streamlined, but this one looked diseased. The strange growths stuck to it were like some form of coral stuck to the outside of its skin. That's when he noticed that most of its face with the rounded head were covered in the things. "'What the ever-living fuck!' he exclaimed as he examined the body. He was about to pull out his scanner and run a few tests when he heard another screech from somewhere behind him. Somewhere this was followed swiftly by another, and then another. He decided alien autopsies could wait. First thing he needed to do was get the fuck out of the sewer. So turning to the direction where the Xena would come from, he began to run. Ah, so the spirits are on the ground and they're ready to make their attack... Eden Eden's stuck in a damn sewer full of Xenos that really don't look too clever. Will he be able to get out? Will the others be able to find him in time? Or will the shitstorm continue? Only one way to find out. Gonna have to tune in next time. So until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you next time.